Welcome to Out of Zion with Susan Michael, an exploration of the Bible and the land of Israel. From ancient biblical sites to the story behind the stories, join Susan on a journey through the most exciting book on the planet. Hit the subscribe button for future episodes, which will deepen your faith and bring the Bible to life. And now, here's our host, Susan Michael. Well, welcome back to our Going Deeper series. And we are so excited to have with us today our friend Tim Mahoney, where we're going to talk about the evidences of the Israelite conquest of the land of Canaan. And so, Tim, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Susan. Tim is a documentary filmmaker and director and author, and he has produced uh, so far three really exciting documentaries that we've highlighted called Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, and then Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Part 1 and The Red Sea Part 2. We've covered those in previous episodes, so if you didn't hear them, be sure and listen in because it's really fascinating information. And today we want to talk about the Israelite conquest of the land. And this is really a critical piece of history. And, uh, you know, Tim, when I first went to Israel to study there, um, I was all of just 19 and I went for a summer study program. So I returned a couple years later. I just finished my university degree and I went back to Jerusalem to get a master's. And the, the school that I went to only had three degree programs. It was a very small American school. And one was archaeology, which I was not interested in in the least bit. And um, so I chose a broader historical study, which was called Judeo-Christian studies. But for me, going out to these archaeological digs and the sites and the tells and you see a pile of rocks and they're telling you that this was a palace or this was the, the living room. And I couldn't picture it. And it was hot and dusty. And that was just not the field for me. I wasn't interested. But I will say that some 40 years later, and I hate to admit it's been 40 years, archaeology has become so exciting. And especially what they're uncovering in the city of Jerusalem. And now you can hardly stay on top of it. And the findings are doing nothing but proving the Bible. But it wasn't always like this. And I know stories of others that like me and like you, we, we go to Israel or we, we're part of a university program. And we're told by the archaeologists that there's no proof that these things happen, that the Bible says happen. And I know people that have really gone through a crisis of faith, which is similar to what you went through at a point in your life. And yet it's when you look at it, the, the archaeological finds are there. It's a matter of how they date them. That's the crucial issue here. And we really have this in the evidence there in the city of Jericho. Everybody knows where Jericho was. It was there for thousands of years. It was right on a waterway. And so it, it's a long established uh, archeological site, but they were saying, well, there's no evidence. Um, can you tell us how and why that that's wrong and there's plenty of evidence there at Jericho? 
Uh, yes, I, I uh, well, I can tell you what I've learned, and we've made it into the uh, to the film uh, on the Exodus called Patterns of Evidence: The Exodus. And the second, the last part of that film, there were um, there were six different major patterns we were looking for. Was the conquest of the Promised Land? It really begins at Jericho. And as the archaeologists, you know, started to come there, they were looking for the evidence for the, for the Jericho, for Jericho. They were looking for the Israelites. And what what happened was was that many believed that they had found it, that they had found the city of Jericho that had fallen down, and that it had been burned. Uh, and that's basically was an understanding until Kathleen Kenyon came along later on, and she basically started to disconnect the biblical time with the falling of the walls of Jericho. She was saying it was from, because of the pottery. And what people don't realize is that one of the tools that is used to, um, to identify time periods has to do with types of pottery. Because believe it or not, pottery was popular at certain times and they, they can tell when pottery comes in and, and goes away and, and where pottery is made from. And so as they were looking at the pottery, uh, Whereas a, uh, a, what they do in a dig site is they dig straight down deep. Uh, they'll dig these shaft, you know, like a, a whole long four foot path and they'll go in there and they'll, they'll identify because they can't dig the entire, usually they don't dig the entire city up. They dig sections of it up as they're looking for things. And, um, and that's when they were looking and they, were, they found uh, the, uh, information about the uh, Jericho location. The city actually had a glass wall. You know, it was like it was a you know a special kind of a wall. And then, great big. Uh, it was a sloped, um, kind of a hardened, uh, you know, uh, wall. That, I mean, when I say wall, it was sloping, but it was very difficult to climb up. And That's then the ramparts. Yeah, rampart. Yep. And then on top of that, they had um, the walls of Jericho, and so. What ended up happening was when Kathleen Kenyon basically disconnected the biblical event uh, because of her archaeology, it caused many people to, um, to turn away from confidence in the Bible. And there is a trend early on, I, I believe there was a trend to start to disconnect and um, um, dissect the biblical uh, text and basically say, well, these, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, this didn't happen. But once again, it goes back to the question of dating. And it also goes back to the question of interpretation. And it became very difficult then for people who believed in the biblical account to be to uh, actually be able to have uh, positions in certain universities because they were considered um, you know, fundamentals or fundamentalists or whatever. Uh, and that, uh, so they started to not have the opportunities at major universities and there was a division that was going on. And so it became very, very popular to, uh, to um, discredit, I guess it would be the biblical account mm -hmm. because of some of these early findings, both at Ramesses, the state of Ramesses, not finding anything there. And now at Jericho, not finding anything but once again, it goes back to the dating. And so what Patterns of Evidence does is it re recounts the biblical account. And then it starts to say, but wait a minute, let's look at the pattern of evidence. And what we find, what the archaeologists do find, is that the city is actually burned. Uh, and it is the walls have actually fallen down. And there was actually grain in the city, by the way. And uh, how do we know that? Because there were vessels, there were pottery that actually had grain in them. 
And why is that significant? Is it saying that the people that were in the city didn't eat all their food? Something happened that destroyed the city in a very quick um, event. And that's where we look at the story uh, in the account of Joshua, whereas once the walls fell down, the Israelites came in there <clears throat> and they killed everybody except for Rahab. And so what they found was this, this pottery that had food inside it. Uh, it was burnt on the outside, but they hadn't eaten it. They hadn't consumed their food. And not only that, but it came at the, the right time, the spring of the year, when the harvest would have been there. So these things were matching the sequence of events that you would look for if the biblical account is matching Jericho. But the Germans found something very interesting when they excavated. They found that one part of the wall did not fall down. And uh, this, there was a house, it was these houses that were built into the side of the wall, just as the count was given, that when Rahab protected the, the spies, and remember the account where she is, uh, uh, lets them escape through her window, and they said, put a scarlet uh, cloth out your window and we'll spare you, you know, bring your family and uh, friends of whoever was in that house. So God, uh, we're told, did not cause the wall to found, fall down. And that's exactly what they found when they started to dig through this area. They found that that wall did not fall in a particular area. Just this one area that was still standing, whereas the rest of the areas were collapsed. And so those are the types of things that we look for in a pattern and in a sequence that say, well, did this happen and match? And so what we find out is that the biblical account matched perfectly with the archaeology. Or should I put it this way? I said that wrong. The archaeology matched perfectly with the biblical account. As long as we just date it correctly, then yeah. we know that it's the biblical account. Well, for those of our listeners that are reading through the Bible with us together this year on the walk through the Bible, we just read this story this week. But now that we've heard this evidence, let me just repeat it quickly, because the, the Israelites have had a uh, major victory, and it's brought a lot of fear into the land of Canaan. They are afraid of these Israelites that they've heard are on their way. And so spies go out to look at Jericho and they come across this harlot named Rahab, and she helps them, and in return, they promise that she'll be protected, and so she puts a red cord out her window. We've all read this story how many times in our lifetimes? And here, Tim is telling us that the evidence at Jericho um, verifies everything down to the time of year even that this happened because the Bible tells us that the Israelites celebrated the Passover and then they uh, went to Jericho. They circled the city seven days and on the seventh day, the walls just fell and um, they burned the city, but there is this section um, where the walls did not fall in order to preserve what we believe to be the home of Rahab. And uh, they found the storage grain uh, inside, meaning it was a short siege. It was only seven days. It was in the springtime, like Passover. I mean, he's already told you this, but all the details just line up with the biblical story. Um, I, I find it fascinating, and I really recommend that uh, you all get the documentary. We link to it in the show notes. 
of Patterns of Evidence, the Exodus, because he shows you a reenactment of a lot of this that he's describing here today. You can see it and you can just picture it. And it really is so exciting. Um, you know, there was a very well-known American pastor wrote a book oh, about two years ago now. And in it, believe it or not, this pastor kind of is discrediting the Old Testament. And, um, and he mentions that there's no archaeological evidence for the fall of Jericho. And here we're hearing about all of this very specific evidence that backs up the biblical story. So let's go beyond Jericho, uh, Tim, because there's more evidence. Um, the land of Canaan was made up of a series of fortified cities. They were like a kingdom city, a city kingdom with a king very high walls. They were well fortified, but there were a number of them in the land. And so Joshua and the Israelites are tasked now with taking over all this area with these cities. So what other evidence do we have in the land from that time? One of the things that I've done is, once again, I'm a filmmaker, so I have to go and talk with different scholars and uh, I became interested in the question of chronology, which is the dating of when things happen. And in our films, we talk about, I, I created a device called the wall of time. And the wall of time has uh, some different levels on it. And on one level, the lower level is the Egyptian time. Uh, then in the middle is, um, I believe it's the Bible timeline. And then there's the, the timeline on the upper path. So there's three levels, which is the times of, uh, Canaan or uh, the, the history archaeology. And so what we try to do with that is to help people understand that that uh, the times that we're finding the pattern are earlier than the times that the different viewpoints would give the Exodus. A lot of people have put the Exodus around 1200 BC. The Bible puts it, if you're a conservative Bible believer, you put it around 1450 BC, 200 years earlier in time. And a lot of the evidence that uh, the scholars that I've talked with, many of them have suggested and believed that, that there's something wrong with the timelines of Egypt and Canaan, and that they have been placed in the wrong time, times. And so the biblical timeline is not in question at all when I talk about when things are dated. But what they see, going back to these cities, is that earlier in time, at the same time of this exodus with this earlier evidence in Egypt, there, there comes something that happens, and it's a, uh, a dark period where uh, Egypt falls into this dark period. I believe it, uh, it's the second intermediate period, they call it, as well as these other cities up in this area. And so what, we, what do we know happened? Well, we know that the plagues came and devastated Egypt, and Egypt sort of collapses and has to regain itself over a period of time. And it says in the scriptures that even 40 years later, that Egypt was under this, you know, feeling the effects of that devastation of that plague because they lost the firstborn, they lost uh, their economic struggle, you know, all their, all their resources. They lost so many different things. The Israelites uh, left with jewelry, and and uh, and then their army, uh, you know, was was killed in the, you know, in the Red Sea. So. Uh, but what we see is that these cities that existed, that had these uh, high walls and, and were fortified, all seem to collapse at around the same time right after this. So 
that's what scholars like John Bimson and, and maybe David Roll would, would suggest that this is when you look and see right after the collapse of Egypt in this. This is one theory that they're saying this matches then the account. And there's a, there's a, a city, Hatzor, uh, and there's a, a, a king there by the name of Jabin. It says that uh, um, it talks about the fact that, that, you know, they went and conquered the city with, with Jabin. And when they went, the archaeologists came and they, they uncovered it. They actually found tablets containing the name of uh, Jabin, J-A-B-I, wow. uh, uh, in cuneiform writing, found in this palace. And so once the Bible tells us these things happen, and when the excavators were able to find it. Now the question is, is well, what does the name Jabin? Is it, is it a name for, let's say, king or whatever? Is it the exact name? These are things that um, I'm trying to be careful about, but what we're saying is that the, that name, whether it's a proper name or whether it's the name of a title, that name is associated with what happened with Joshua, and it's also associated with a tablet that was found there. So we, we find these patterns and sequences that seem to match. And so um, there is a desire to throw off the biblical account for different reasons. And what I've seen, too, is that uh, when I went to talk with some of the scholars, they believed early on in their career. And then if they're given a paradigm early on, if they're given a way to think about things and it doesn't, they can't find it there, then they lose faith. And I think there's a number of people who actually then go off to, you know, they, they believe in the Bible, they believe in God, they go off sometimes even to a seminary, and then they're, it's, it's, it's sort of taken out of them because of all of these different criticisms that people are expressing. But what I've seen is that these criticisms actually don't stand up. There are answers, and I think people have to be diligent. And that's what I had to do because I had a crisis of faith, and I could have been an agnostic, to be quite honest with you, and you never would have heard from me, and we would have never made these films if in 2002 I just didn't continue to search for answers. So I want to encourage people that, that I have that in my own life and what I've seen is that there is an amazing pattern of evidence that is matching the biblical account in surprising ways. And we have people that I had a telephone call from a man in the spring of the year because of COVID, he was going to commit suicide. And he thought, I'll just watch a movie before I kill myself. <laughs> it sounds terrible. And uh, he, he just, and all of a sudden he saw our film on the Exodus. And um, uh, I think he actually saw the Moses controversy first. And, and he watched it and he goes, is there anything else? And he saw something else. And he ended up sending us a letter and said, I just want you to let Tim Mahoney know that uh, he saved my life. Mm-hmm. I decided not to take my life, but I do believe that the Bible is true. You know, there are people at, at, at vulnerable times in their life when they don't know if this is true, because that is the challenge. And I, I talk, who used to be, grew up in Christian homes, fathers were pastors, they went off and they basically got deprogrammed uh, with a much more of a secular mindset. But you know what? They have no hope. They have no hope. And so there's consequences for not believing. And they said, yeah. I said, just so you know, I'm your friend, but the Bible says if you, you know, and the reason why it's important that we look for evidence of Moses 
And there's this film called The Moses Controversy, which is about the alphabet, which is about God giving at the same time the conquest. What you don't know, which we haven't talked about, is that the alphabet shows up at this Avaris, this city underneath Ramesses. This alphabet starts to show up. The world's first alphabet. Somebody takes and creates the first Hebrew letters out of Egyptian hieroglyphs. And you know what? It migrates. It migrates at the same time into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And that was so powerful because then that alphabet became, uh, people talk about being a Phoenician connection. Well, the connection came uh, around the same time when Solomon started the Lebanon and King Ahmed to get cedars for the temple. And there's this communication. And that's where the first alphabet comes into play is uh, we see it on a name of a king that has the same name. I think it's Hiram. And he uses an alphabet. And they, but it migrates out of Egypt to the promised land. And then it spreads throughout the world into different forms of the same concept of phonetic. And what does it say? In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. In the beginning was the word. So words are very, very important. And the one book in the world that um, I, I could see that this connection between the alphabet and then uh, the, 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 the word of God given at Mount Sinai, which we understand the beginning of time and we understand uh, the covenant that God has with the nation of Israel and we understand the promises that God, the nations will be blessed through the seed. All these things are coming together. That's why, and then Jesus says, uh, you know, Moses wrote about me. And so why is it important? Because they know that if people who are critical of the Bible know that if you can destroy Moses, you destroy all the rest of the biblical account because it has no credibility. That's why I think that I've been called to work on this type of work and to make these kinds of films is to bring back the historical credibility and say, do not listen to everything you're being told here. Take a look at these patterns of evidence. And once again, in some cases, it saves people's lives. Yes. Well, Tim, we want to thank you for what you're doing and for being obedient to the call of God to do this, because I believe the documentaries you're making are going to have a, a great impact on our seminary students, on our universities, our Christian schools, our, you know, uh, the whole industry, the uh, I think you're going to have a tremendous impact because you are asking the questions that had become, uh, it was not politically correct to ask a lot of these questions. And you're just doing it in an investigative way, uncovering the evidence and letting people decide. Well, you come to your own conclusions, but this, these are the patterns that we see. And uh, you know, we, we started doing these uh, teachings and podcasts and all, to respond to the same atmosphere, just in general, and knowing that so many of our young people when they're in university, I mean, it's been like this for decades, uh, but it's so much worse now for those going into university and to higher places of learning where the Bible has just been totally discredited. And a young Christian, even studying another field like finance or whatever, but uh, through the general electives, um, their Bible is so torn apart that they, they have many of them having crises of faith. And so we just wanted to share what we know about how exciting 
the Bible is and how that it all makes so much more sense when you put it in its correct historical context and you look at these patterns of evidence, it, it, really, um, it really is the word of God and we can base our lives on it. And he is a faithful God. So what he has had written in his word, we can base our life on and it is life changing. So we, we want to thank you for what you're doing and we thank you for giving of your time uh, to be with us and to discuss your findings. We look forward to future opportunities, talk about uh, future documentaries that you're working on. But I encourage everyone to uh, get your copy of Patterns of Evidence, The Exodus, and Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea, Part 1 and 2. We link to them in our show notes down below. And we also give you the URL for uh, Tim's organization there on PatternsofEvidence.com. And Tim, in our closing minute, uh, you've also begun a new initiative, the Faith uh, Historical Faith Society. Do you want to tell us about that? I'd love to, yes. Uh, we were trying to uh, prayerfully understand, well, what, how do we get people to be able to uh, be, be discipled, just like you're doing? Uh, and, and, and also help out and be a part of this. So we, we, we felt led to create the, we started a foundation, Patterns of Evidence Foundation. Our films then are created through people helping us uh, to raise the money for that. And then we created a community that's underneath the foundation called the Historical Faith Society. And each month we have community events online where we have speakers and um, uh, we're going to be having uh, John Lennox, the uh, Oxford mathematician, Christian apologist, who's got a new film called Against the Tide. In March, we're talking uh, with uh, Randall Price and the secret caves of the, the hidden caves, I guess it is, the hidden caves of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, the society now is working towards promoting the historical credibility of the Bible through archaeology. And so we're going to be helping to fund archaeological dig sites. We've got different dig sites that we're doing, as well as to pass on the faith to the next generation. So that's where we're creating these programs, these special events every month. And we're bringing in scholars and lay people together. And um, we're trying to then create also tools that can be used to pass of the faith on to your children. Um, as we said, there's a lot of young people that have walked away from their faith because they're told it's not true. But guess what? These other ideologies have no answers. They lead to hopelessness. And there's so much anxiety about what's happening in the world today. And we have a hope. And I think that it's in some many ways, the field is ripe for people that are desperate to hear uh, hope and to hear the good news of the gospel. And that's what uh, these opportunities have led us to. Uh, and so I just want to say that the Historical Faith Society is something we're very excited about. You can find out more about it at the historicalfaithsociety.com. And so thank you for letting me share a little bit. Great. Well, I've already signed up. I'm already a member. And I encourage others to do the same. For those of you wanting to go even deeper than we've been able to go today, uh, please take advantage of these resources. We'll link to all of it in today's show notes. And Tim, thank you. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for bringing hope to the world that the biblical account is accurate. It's historically accurate. And we can base our lives 
on the word of God. So thank you so much. And we just pray the Lord bless you and your ministry. And for all of you, come back next week. And until then, God bless you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.